everyone. Welcome to another episode of Moving the Pile. This is your host, Kevin Cox. On today's episode, we will be looking at high oleic soybeans, their uses, benefits, and the opportunities they bring to Indiana soybean farmers. Our guest today is Dave Henderson with Pioneer Hybrids. Dave, welcome to our show, and please introduce yourself. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Kevin, I've had the opportunity to be with Pioneer for 30 years now, actually. I started out as an agronomist over in Ohio and in Indiana, and now I get to serve in a role that's called a district lead. Well, it's great to have you with us today. I appreciate you taking the time. So this this high leg soybean that I keep hearing about, what's different about it from all the rest of the soybeans out there, Dave? High oleic soybeans have been modified. Uh, they, they've been built through transformation to have three times as much oleic content as standard commodity soybeans. They've also been modified to limit the linoleic level in the grain itself too. Uh, th this change gives the oil greater stability. It gives it a healthier content. And it also means that it brings the oil with zero trans fats. We breed for adaptability wherever they're going to be planted. So Dave, on the production side of this, are there differences when it comes to the management compared to conventional soybeans? Yeah, there's really only one at this time. Uh, the first step's the same. Uh, if you were going to be selecting a soybean variety, you would select the highest yielding ones and the ones adapted for your specific farm operation that you're going into. In fact, when you think about the entire production process, all those things are the same with maybe one exception. When it comes to high oleic soybeans, uh, the Pioneer brand ones, they're called Plenish. They are only available with the Roundup resistant trait. They don't carry the traits for Liberty or Extend or Enlist at this period of time, just the Roundup trait. So how is it that this, that this oil is used? Well, what, what's, what's the end use here with all this, Dave? The end users could really use it anywhere that they're using standard commodity soybean oil, but it's bringing additional perks to it. You know, if we think about the, the food service industry, the oil provides a longer fry life and it really gives improved cleanliness and lower maintenance. It could extend the shelf life of packaged goods and it could also remove a lot of the different preservatives that need to be added. So Dave, I got to ask, whenever it comes to a specialty product like this, is there a market there for it if we produce it? You know, there's that old adage that if they build it, they'll come. You know, there's been several times there's been products introduced to the market and there wasn't an actual market there that had been developed to take that product as it was produced. So is there demand there for the high leg soybeans? Kevin, a, a great question. I'll, I'll let you know, across the United States right now, currently there's about a half a million acres that are going to be contracted for the high oleic varieties that are out there. That is significantly more than last year and the year before. If I was going to focus just on Indiana, and I, I would think about Bungie and ADM, are both looking for additional acres to be contracting this year compared to where we were the previous year. One of the greatest news is, though, is that any time these acres are contracted, it might be high oleic soybean oil that's being used. It really means that it's helping to make markets that we've lost before. So the demand is certainly there. What's, what's the potential return there 
for me as a producer. It all comes down to that return on investment. Uh, they have a lot of outside elevators too that are collection spots for them. If a grower is near one of those locations, uh, certainly the opportunities could be fantastic. Or if they're taking beans to that ADM market or to that Bungie market right now, crushers or processors are paying a premium on a per bushel basis for the use of high LA. Premiums right now are typically running close to or even above $45 per acre, just depending upon the yield that the person's achieving and also the marketing that they're doing with it too. From our standpoint, our breeding effort with these plantish high lake soybeans is continuing strong. Uh, the varieties are yielding right up there with our newest releases of other traded soybeans. The management's the same. The biggest difference, of course, is right now with just that Roundup Ready trait, you need to be looking at some different herbicide programs. But the growers that are using it, planting it now, they are being very successful with their weed control too but it just takes some additional management there. Very good. So where do you see the future for high like soybeans? Based on trends right now, I would say the future is bright. Uh, the demand for high like soybean oil is, is actually exceeding the supply right now. Uh, these processors are, are trying to contract as many acres that they can. Uh, they recognize that if they can't get the high like soybean oil, that it means other oils will need to be used to be able to meet the demand that the end users are actually looking for. I see it as a win for Indiana producers. I see it a win for the consumer then too, because of the benefits that the high lake oil is bringing. Well, very good. Well, Dave, I want to thank you for your time and taking time to speak with us today about high lake soybeans and the opportunities that they bring to Indiana soybean farmers like myself. We appreciate having partners like Corteva, and thanks for all of your insights. To our listeners, thanks again for turning, tuning in today. We'll be back soon with more updates on what the corn and soybean checkoffs are doing to keep your corn and soybeans moving. If you want notifications when new episodes will be available, text CHECKOFF to 31996. Again, check, text CHECKOFF to 31996. Well, to now I'd like to introduce Ed Ebert. Ed is the uh, Senior Director of Grain Production and Utilization at the Indiana Soybean and Indiana Corn. Uh, and uh, Ed at this time is going to give us his uh, forecasts and thoughts on the current corn and bean markets. Ed, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you, Kevin. Corn and soybean markets have continued to move higher as we see strong export sales and shipments of both commodities. Looking at the weather in South America, large portions of Brazil have seen significant shortages of rainfall and a dry forecast for the next several weeks. Through the third week of October, planting pace in Mato Grosso was well behind normal. Having just passed 50% planted here in early November, this same result was obtained last year in the middle of October, so we are currently over two weeks behind last year's seeding rate. This dry start has potential impacts on soybean yield and certainly has impacts on the timing and planting of the second crop corn known as Safrinha. Argentina also continues to remain dry, although planting impacts to this point are not significant. Let's discuss the current La Nina event going on and its impacts to both South American and U.S. production. Timing and severity of the temperature differential can all impact this overall forecast, but here are basic trends. 
and Argentina corn will generally come in below a normal trendline yield. Soybeans are more of a mixed bag with no significant yield impact. Brazilian full season crops are much like Argentina in terms of crop impact. In a normal La Nina year, the impact would be neutral to slightly positive. With the delayed plantings and dry conditions we previously discussed, would negate any potential benefit. Safrinha is much more affected, with yields lower by as much as 12% as was the case back in 2011. The U.S. spring planting season tends to see the eastern corn belt above average in rainfall, with potential for some delays in spring plantings, and below average rainfall in the northern plains. Corn tends to be a little late in terms of seeding pace, although it catches up by the middle of the planting season here in the U.S. Overall, yield impact tends to be positive with additional moisture across most of the prime growing areas. Values of both commodities are being led higher by soybeans. Wheat is also in an upward cycle being led by recovering demand globally and reduction in production from the Russian and former Soviet Union states. January soybean futures are trading at $11 per bushel on November 5th. This is up 28 cents since the last Moving the Pile episode. Prices have recovered here from the price drop that started here in the last week of October. Basis levels across the state continue to be well above historical averages, as export demand can be felt across the entire state. Soybean yields continue to be reported strong, and the harvest for the most part has been completed. Soybean market continues to be inverted, which is signaling to participants that the market wants this crop now and not later. March corn futures are trading at $4.10 per bushel here on November 5th. This is up 21 cents since our last episode of Moving the Pile. Early in harvest, basis levels were relatively strong, but have fallen back from those harvest highs. Corn harvest is peaked, but solid yields and overall demand for corn is pushing it out into the market. In-state users and exporters are allowing corn futures to carry the day, even with robust export sales and shipments. Corn carries are very flat, although not in an inverse, but this is still signaling to move corn sooner rather than later. A quick update on export sales and shipments. Corn exports for September were reported at 150 million bushels, up 88% from last year. Mexico, China, and Japan accounted for the vast majority of these shipments. Soybean exports were 286 million bushels, a new record for September. The big players were China, Mexico, and Egypt. The prior record for September soybean shipments was 171 million bushels back in 2017. So that's way below this new record we just set. So what will the market be looking for as we go forward in time? WASDE report will be out on November 10th with many market analysts beginning to lower yield in production on both corn and soybeans. Continue to watch South American weather and forecasts. Monitor export sales and shipments as we navigate through this massive export program and global economic growth as we move into our second year of dealing with COVID-related slowdowns. Thank you for listening to another edition of Moving the Pile. We'll see you soon on the next edition.